Hey everybody, welcome back to Shadow Particles, a His Dark Materials companion podcast. I am Evan Minto, and with me today is my partner, Tiffany Chan. Tiffy Sniffs on Twitter. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. We've been talking about His Dark Materials uh, all the time. All the time. <laughs> and now we can do it on a podcast. <laughs> I've heard so much about these podcasts, and finally I get to be on one. Yeah, finally you get to be a degenerate like the rest of us. No! <laughs> okay, so for those of you who have been uh, been listening, you, you know the house rules. We are not spoiling anything for the show, uh, even though both of us are very, very big fans of the His Dark Materials books. And we are recapping the U.S. release of the series on HBO. So that means we are not talking about the latest U.K. episode, which is an episode ahead. I've got my three intro questions, which I know you've listened to me asking other people on the show. Now you get to answer them yourself. First up, what's your familiarity with His Dark Materials? Um, so in high school, which is, I think, a little bit later than most people read the series, uh, I went to a Barnes & Noble. Um, I think I'm dating myself there. Uh, with my then boyfriend, uh, now husband, and he was actually the one that picked it up randomly. Um, and I read the back of the cover summary and I was like, cool. And, you know, flipped it open to the first page. It says the decanter of Toke. And I didn't know what either of those words meant back then. Um, but I fell in love totally. Um, and a little while later, I went to Berkeley with some friends and, um, stopped at Moe's books to get the subtle knife. And that same day, we were walking past the Berkeley Public Library, and they had like a little free cart um, out in front with like the books that they were trying to get rid of. And um, coincidentally, there was a really beat up copy of Amber Spyglass there. And so that same day, I finished collecting the series, um, but they're all different editions, a little bit wonky. Mm -hmm. um, but I know you have that like really nice hardcover edition of yeah, all of them. Yeah, it's really, it's great. Yeah, I've been meaning to get that, but uh, yeah. it does have very thin pages, though, which makes me nervous every time I'm flipping them, like I'm going <laughs> to rip them or something. You have to be really careful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and what did you think of season one overall? I was a fan. I liked it. I thought it was pretty faithful to the vision of the books. Um, and I did like the choice of bringing in Will for season one because he doesn't show up until the second book. Um, but honestly, it pales a lot in comparison to season two uh yeah, we'll probably sure. talk about this later but like this season just has so much more aliveness and um a sort of like playfulness that i think the mm -hmm. first season was missing um but generally yeah i feel positive about it yeah that's i totally agree that that's a good way of putting it that it's like it's just a little more playful even when it's not being funny it's like everybody's having a little more fun with it like the actors and there's just a little more kind of a little more energy to every scene yeah than, than that first season which was a little kind of kind of rigid feeling in a lot of places a little right? bit yeah it felt more like methodical like they mm -hmm. have all this stuff to cover and they're just gonna go through it um it seems like this season they're really enjoying um being in that space and in this universe yeah you yeah. feel it and third last but not least what's your demon my demon i feel like this changes sometimes in my mind but uh right now i think that it would be an opossum uh, not a possum an opossum which i always get confused between yes uh you know like when you're younger you think like your demon's gonna be this like cool unique like exotic creature like i think mm. when i first read the books i was like oh my demon's gonna be an ocelot it's like this cool like jungle cat 
Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love ocelots. Yeah. Revolver ocelot. Best ocelot. No. Okay, we're not allowed to talk about Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> this is not a Metal Gear Solid podcast. No. Um, but I think as I've gotten older, you know, gotten more realistic about how I think about myself, um, I'm a really big fan of opossums because they're sort of unassuming, right? They're common animals that you see in North America. But if you pay a little bit closer attention, they actually have some pretty cool uh, like stuff about them. Um, for example, their body temperature is too low uh, for the rabies virus to survive, um, so, which <laughs> okay. I think is really cool. Interesting. Um, and, you know, they can get ferocious when uh, when it's needed, you know, but normally they're just sort of minding their own business, doing their own thing. Um, and I like to think of myself like that. Yeah, particularly that your your body temperature is too low to get rabies. Right. I think that's the main, not, the main thing that you're no. associating with. No, <laughs> no, it's, it's like the ferocity when needed thing. Right, right, yeah. right. <laughs> All right. With those out of the way. It's time to talk about episode four, Tower of the Angels. Oh man, what a good episode. Let me run down my summary here. At the very beginning, we get a we get a uh, narration where we learn the history of Chittagatsi and the guild that built the subtle knife, used it to travel between worlds and scavenge various items from them. Uh, but the knife created the specters, which drove them all out of the city. Lyra and Will find a way into the the titular Tower of the Angels, where uh, Will fights off a man trying to steal the knife, ends up losing his fingers, and becomes the bearer, the new bearer of the knife in the process. Uh, Lee finally finds Stanislaus Grumman, who he's been searching for, but he's now a, they keep saying shaman. I always say shaman. I don't know the right way to pronounce it. So he's now a a shaman or shaman known as Jopri. And uh, he tells Lee about the knife and his goal, which is to get the knife to Lord Azriel. And Lee agrees to help only if the knife can be used to also protect Lyra. Lord Boreal offers to help Mrs. Coulter get Lyra back and takes her through his window into Chittagatze. The witches are regrouping and uh, they decide to strike back at the Magisterium and also head to another world to seek out Lyra. Back in Will's world, Mary fends off an attempt from Boreal to fund her project and take control of it. I think something that uh, people dealing with academic funding are probably a little familiar with. Mm. And then tries to talk to the cave again. But this time she discovers that not only are the particles conscious, but she's able to speak to seemingly sentient beings known as angels. And our final very exciting bit at the end of the episode is as the witches are traveling into another world and exacting their own revenge. Uh, the angel or angels that she's talking to tell her that they are motivated by vengeance. Ooh. Oh, man, that chills down my spine <laughs> in that whole scene. That was so cool. Yeah. So how about uh, your overall thoughts, Tiffany? This episode was so action packed. There was so much yep, in it. Yep. Um, but I didn't feel like it was rushed at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the pacing was pretty on point throughout. Uh, so we're at the midway point now in season two. This is episode four out of seven. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, so we're just past the midway point, sort of. Yeah, yeah, because it's seven. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this episode for me, it seems like um, they are now setting up the chessboard for like these different characters to align themselves with this with either side of this like larger conflict this like more cosmic uh context here like i think that's yeah that's a good point because particularly grumin or jopri mm-hmm. 
which is definitely not how I pronounced it in my head in the book. I think but I pronounced that's the way he it says it. Jopari. 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 I put more yeah. of the emphasis on the par. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, he lays it out in that cosmic sense that's like different from how we've heard it so far. Everything has been about the magisterium. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of the first time, other than some of the stuff from the witches, but all their prophecy stuff is a little vague. Mm -hmm. It's the first time like someone laid out in clear language, like there is a battle that is like bigger than this, right? It's like some kind of larger conflict going on. And then the thing with, with the angels gives you like some other idea that like maybe they're a part of it or something right like what is this and yeah and you see that in like the opening too which Mm -hmm. um i was i really liked it um this sort of like narration yeah the narration is like kind of like a storybook like once upon a time there was this guild that created the knife and you know the specters are a product of that you're like oh actually this isn't just about the current magisterium and lyra Mm -hmm. and will it's actually like a centuries long thing yeah it did. The narration felt a little kind of shoved in there and Lord of the Ringsy, like conspicuously Lord of the Ringsy to me, like with the forging of I the like knife that. and stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I did read over the part of the subtle knife that this episode covers earlier. Um, I think it's Giacomo Paradisi that uh, gives that exposition in the book. And I think in the show, he already has such an extended scene with Will that if they just like mm-hmm. shoved it in like in with that part it might have dragged a little bit yeah i think it's ultimately the right call with the cards they were dealt but i suspect that a fair amount of that was supposed to be even probably some of that footage was shot for the Azrael episode that got cut because Hmm. the the interviews they've given about it said that it was supposed to be him going to Chittagatsi and learning about the history of it and so I bet like the original episode four was maybe going to be the Azrael episode or something and that that was going to include like a maybe more natural introduction to that where he's learning it right like in universe and not like right here's this totally separate thing and then without any of the Azrael footage, because they couldn't film with him, they probably took whatever they had and kind of like turned it into a narration. But I think you're right. It's the right place to put it, because otherwise you'd stop all the action dead to do like a really long dump. <laughs> and if you're going to do it, you might as well just do it at the beginning. Right. And then have like a really fun episode after that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I also this is I mean, this is probably the best episode of the season, I'd say so far. But this season is one-upping itself basically every episode Mm -hmm. so (laughs) i have very high hopes for where it's headed yeah absolutely um one thing i noticed is like the contrast between my feelings watching season one versus season two watching season one you know the episode would end and i'd be like okay cool beans see you next week but Mm -hmm. with episode two you know final scene or season two yeah oh sorry season two Final scene plays out, credits roll, and I'm just like on the edge of my seat. Like, are you kidding me? I need three Even more hours. Even though you hours. know what's going to happen. Yeah, I know. You know what's going to happen, but you're like still on the edge of your seat, which is like, I felt that too. Like I was getting chills in some of these scenes and it's like, I know what's coming, which maybe helps me be more excited. But like, yeah, I wasn't just like, I felt like season one didn't grab me as much. And so I was enjoying seeing everything, mm-hmm. but it was kind of in a slightly more detached way. Like, ah, oh, that's interesting. They adapted it that way. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm really drawn in this season. Mm -hmm. So I think part of what makes it work before we get into some of the details there is action packed. Like you said, we're we're introducing new characters and and concepts and elements. Right. We've got Grumman just got like formally introduced as an actual character as opposed to just someone who gets talked about or you see photos of Uh, the knife and all of the, the background behind that. 
Uh, and we actually have like pretty big shifts in characters, like, you know, turn, turning points in characters, lives and motivations and things, right? Like right. Will getting the knife, Mrs. Coulter finally stepping into another world, which feels like it's such a long time coming right, yeah. in this season. The witches finally like taking action. I think they, they've been doing a lot of talking, mm-hmm. right? And they finally are going somewhere and, you know, they've decided what they're going to do. Right. And also Yorick from last episode, like the bears are getting involved, which you don't see in the books i think until later are they getting involved is that confirmed i thought that's just that he told them what was happening with lyra oh that's true yeah i'd like like to see that yeah but yorick wasn't <laughs> in yorick, book two please. at all right i know i know i would i would hope that they will find some more ways to bring him in there are ways to bring him in that are not like totally superficial mm-hmm. just in terms of how they move things around in the plot mm-hmm. so i hope they do that so you were pointing out this in our notes. This is this is a very Will episode. Like he's he gets a lot of focus here, and I, I think they they did a really good job with it. Like I'm I like Amir Wilson a lot. I like him more and more the more I get to know him as Will. Yeah, me too. He really gets to shine this episode, and especially in the mm-hmm. fight scene uh, where he yeah. gets the knife. Oh man, I was on the edge of my seat for that one. Yeah, again, even though I knew what was going to happen um it's a it's like a very impressive fight scene but like the core of the fight is just people it's just like a fist fight and like a knife fight in the tower but they they stage it really well where it's like it's really exciting and and scary right Mm -hmm. where like you get that shot of them hanging off the edge of the tower and it, it does feel like really dangerous it's not like i feel like a season one version of it would have been a lot more restricted subdued maybe yeah 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 and there's a great callback to season one right uh, with yeah, will with the boxing. boxing yeah amazing like he it's it felt like such a an interesting setup in season one just in general for him like oh yeah it's kind of he's kind of resourceful and knows how to fight his way out of a situation but this was such a great way of specifically using that boxing callback right and i think the fight also um serve to illuminate will's character even more so um just even in his fighting style like mm-hmm. in the beginning he tries to de-escalate right he's not even trying to fight he's just like hey calm down not just de-escalating right doesn't he he stands in between tulio and paradisi that's his first instinct is to protect people mm-hmm. right right and then he you know kind of has no choice and then he is not really um like aggressive you know like he he doesn't like jump in and like you know fight immediately he tries to de-escalate first and that doesn't work and then he tries to disarm and that doesn't really work either Mm -hmm. and then finally he's like okay i'm gonna put my fists up and i'll just have to do what i have to do and even in the end um he's just fighting to disable him right like he doesn't He's not fighting to hurt him. He's like trying to do the least amount of damage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Will's we've seen a lot of parts of Will's character. He has this nature of like like being a, a caretaker and, and having this like strong sense of of what's right. Yeah. And it, and it is very different from Lyra. Like he's he's more rigid. He's got like this kind of way of looking at the world. Yeah, he's definitely more defense to Lyra's offense, I would mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, that's also I think this is from the book, but I like there's the line where they're going up into the tower Mm -hmm. and she's like, it's my fault. So like I should go first. Right. Uh And then he's like, well, seeing as it's your fault, like you have to do what I say. And so I'm going first. (laughs) And it's like just this totally different way of looking at it. Right. Like like she's just like, yeah, I'm going to go first because like I'm going to just sort of put myself in danger. Right. Because it's my fault. Right. Yeah. 
And I think this arc for Lyra, um, especially in this episode, I think she takes a little bit of a backseat um, mm-hmm. and she's sort of learning like she's not the only main character, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, in her world and like not and people around her aren't all NPCs. So <laughs> and, and you can see that, too, um, after the fight, when uh, Will is in the bathtub tending to his wounds um, they have a discussion about what they're going to do next. And Lyra is like so guilt ridden about getting Will, you know, injured and also just sort of drawing him into this conflict that um, that she started. Um, and she asks Will, like, what do you want to do? She's just she's not rushing into things head first like she would before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's very conscious of some of the unintended co- consequences that that can have like uh, getting Roger killed, for example. Right. And yeah, I think that's a great bit of growth for her that she... I love, love her reaction yeah. when he says that we're going to steal it also. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, they're working together and she, she just looks so relieved. I also like that. There's an element of like when Will is the one who suggests that we're going to steal it. Mm-hmm. There's kind of like a, like they're bleeding into each other. Like that's a Lyra move is to mm-hmm. be like, we're going to steal the alethiometer back. That's not a Will thing. Will is so cautious. I right? know. Yeah. I don't think he would have suggested that, you know, mm-hmm. when he was alone. He just wants right. to stay out of sight and like just keep his head down. Yeah. So like it just I, I keep saying they're doing such a good job with that core relationship of like it, it's building in a way that doesn't feel artificial. It doesn't feel like, oh, they're the the leads. They're the child leads and they're together. And so now stuff happens, mm-hmm. right? Like they're they're growing through specific challenges that they're facing. And the growth is not always like I talked about this last episode. It's, it's not always in one direction. Like sometimes they do still like last episode they were arguing, uh-huh. right? Even though they had been through stuff together because it's kind of this give and take. Mm-hmm. I liked the 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 other uh the other pair that's starting to develop here which is the lee and grooman scenes were you i know you didn't like them as much the first time you watched them but i don't know how you felt on a rewatch yeah uh i think my feelings are about the same i didn't dislike it i thought it was maybe one of the weaker parts in the episode uh maybe because there was a bit of a lull in the action and also it sort of felt a little bit more season one where they were trying to have a bit of exposition about uh, Grumman and also with Lee a little bit. Uh, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. It's, it is just like two people talking. Right. And it did feel a little bit stilted, but it served the purpose of getting those characters where they needed to be. Right. I think uh, as usual, like the the kind of uh, hard to take seriously Lee accent doesn't help with these scenes. But the part that I thought really worked was seeing seeing them kind of bond over the uh, over like fatherhood. Right. Mm, yeah. And and his like when, when Azrael comes up and Lee is just like, man, like I'm not going to help Azrael. That guy left his daughter behind. Right. And uh-huh. then it's it, there's this great dramatic irony of like they're talking about Grumman leaving his son behind. Right. And how that connects to Azrael leaving his daughter behind neither of them knowing that those two are together right now and that the person that Grumman is looking for uh-huh. is his own son, which is like, I love they set that up in the same episode. It's great. Yeah, it really does build the anticipation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing for me, uh, I know a lot of people have talked about the Lee thing not really working for them with uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. 
Mm-hmm. For me, Grumman or John Perry, the image that I see in my head versus what is on screen is so different that That's same here. I'm yeah. having a little I'm just getting used to it. Yeah, right. I'm <laughs> having a little bit a uh, hard time with it. But I think Andrew Scott is doing a pretty decent job. Yeah, I, he doesn't look the way I imagined him either, because he, that's just not the way he's described in the book. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, he's he's doing a very good job performance wise. I really was into it when the, both of them, I think, did a good job with this. When Lee says the thing about like, you know, who does that? Who leaves their daughter behind? And and he says, I did Right. And I think there's something about the way he says I did where you're not sure. Or yeah, he says like, I didn't I think he says I didn't have I don't have a daughter, but I, I would never do that or something. And Grumman says I did. And right. it's, he's both saying I did have a son and I did leave him behind. Right. And he's like he's tearing up and it was pretty emotional. I was like, I, that's the stuff I was into was him kind of like kind of making this connection between what's going on. Yeah. He looks so haunted in that moment. Mm-hmm. And Lee is just completely oblivious as to how sick his burn was in that moment. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing the two of them together and seeing how that develops. Um, they've got they've got stuff ahead of them, interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. That's not a spoiler. <laughs> okay, so there's there's so many good pairs this episode. Uh, the the just evil couple. Uh, Mrs. Coulter and Lord Boreal. Another scene I just absolutely love. The two of them at that that like date, basically, where it's just them just having the most like venomous glances at each other. But but also like flirting, I guess, in like a weird, evil way. Oh, man, they are so (laughs) slimy. Yeah, (laughs) you love to hate them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a Q&A on Twitter with the uh, Lord Boreal actor. Aryan Bakari. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone had asked him, what does Boreal want? And he answered, Boreal wants to marry Mrs. Coulter and take over the Magisterium. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's so him, right? Like he's this puppet master. He wants to be in the shadows, but he wants to rule everything mm-hmm. and not necessarily be at the top and like the figurehead. Of the magic, and I think he he is a collector, right? I think he said that in the previous episode. But he's like, he just wants stuff. He wants power. He wants like you don't even know what he would do with the knife. He's just yeah. You know, he'd like to have stuff and have and kind of like slink around and just collect and be like the guy who's got it all. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He also said the actor also said uh, that. He wants to be part of a power couple. I think Boreal recognizes in Mrs. Coulter like the same mm-hmm. kind of like manipulation and savviness about how to navigate the politics of the Magisterium to benefit herself. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to see their evil alliance coming together. Yeah, but I also love that they're not like they don't. I don't think either of them really trusts each other. Absolutely not. No, her less so than him. Uh-uh. Right. I mean, I think he is. He wants. I don't think he wants to trust her exactly, but he he likes her. And it's just like, does she like him? Ah, doesn't really seem like it. That, <laughs> She's like the monkey was growling. Mm-hmm. She yeah, had yeah, to like yeah. hold him back a little bit. Yeah. And I, I just I, I say it every episode. I cannot get enough of watching Ruth Wilson act <laughs> like when when you get the shots of her, her silently reacting to him, giving her information about Lyra. And there's just the tiniest little like responses on her face. And it's just her like controlling her response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she does like a little blink. 
Mm -hmm. okay and oh my god the bit i i could gush about this all day the the bit where she's like oh so you don't actually have (laughs) 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 so venomous yeah it's a it's definitely like just these two kind of doing these power plays on each other and it's very very fun to watch Mm -hmm. and uh and yeah they're heading they're heading well we've seen them head into chitagatsi and presumably they're heading toward will's world um which is very exciting to see we've seen how lyra responds to another world right we haven't seen how mrs coulter responds yet i wonder how she'll respond to lord boreal's tesla yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, speaking of being being kind of out of place, uh, Lord Boreal really just drinking the respecting women juice. In, oh uh, man, in Will's world. <laughs> what is That's he a say? very funny scene. He says, "I've always liked a woman with a good work ethic," or something like that. Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't gotten more of that. Where it's just like I, I get—I know he's been in our in like Will's world slash our world for a long time, right? Presumably. But he's it's like uh, I feel like it's not just him being weird and kind of sexist. Uh-huh. Uh, it's also like him being from a world where like it which it's so weird to see a female scholar and it's like a kind of patriarchal world. And he's like wouldn't even with all of whatever like social training he's had in Will's world, he still doesn't know to not say things like that. Uh-huh. And he <laughs> means it as a compliment. But Mary mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. gives him this look. She's like, you really said that. Yeah. And it's from a guy who we've seen. And I think Aryan Bakari does a great job with this, like very deftly modulates how he talks to different people. Right. right? Like when he talks to Lyra and he's pretending to be nice, he's like a different character. Yeah. From the, when he's talking to Mrs. Coulter. Right. Like with Lyra. And I think he attempted this with Mary. He wants to like flatter mm-hmm. people a little bit. And he like he pitches his voice differently and stuff like Bakari is doing a really good job with that. Yeah. Like it's he he effectively is just the actor himself is like playing a different character. Yeah. When he's playing Boreal pretending. Oh, man. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a he's a character who like, you know, talking about the book is not as present and not doesn't get as much characterization in The Subtle Knife. But they've really kind of beefed him up in the show. And he's like one of the better additions to the show, I'd say, like not wholesale additions, but like all the stuff they added to him is a really good addition yeah both in the writing and also in Ariane bakari's acting i think he mm-hmm. d- did a lot of work fleshing this character out yeah yeah he's shaping up in this season to be you know i, th- I think he in last season he was a distant force right mm-hmm. but now he's like a much closer antagonist to the main character yep okay i think it's time what is it time for it's time for the demon corner Ooh. for evan's demon corner we got to talk about how the demons were this episode we got to talk about red panda pan Red, Red Pan Panda. Yeah. <laughs> He's so cute. Oh, man. And we get to see him yeah. in this form for so much in this episode. We get to see a lot of forms this episode. We got Moth. We got Ermine. We got Red Panda. I think he's doing Red Panda more often now, but I think the the showrunners are also like, people like Red Pandas. We're going to give the fans what they want. Well, but they're not changing it episode to episode. Like all the CG is already done. No, I know, I know. But <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Like, that, that choice, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, they definitely did. I, I've read some interviews about this. Like they made very deliberate choices about when Pan turns into different animals, similar to the books, mm-hmm. where it's like based on Lyra's current mental state. Right. So if she's a little more like timid, he might turn into a moth um and then i think her sort of standard kind of adventurous feeling is like the ermine and i think i mean the red panda i guess we see a lot around will right so that might be her kind of like opening up to will Mm -hmm. being a little bit more cuddly 
Yeah. You know, I was actually kind of surprised that he kept his red panda form during the knife fight. That's true. That's not what you would expect in the book. Yeah. Right. But maybe that is speaking to her, maybe timidness or like hesitation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, because he turned into like a wolverine during the during the scene with the cat. Speaking of the fight, I did like... The I like that the that Pan was integrated into the fight and that he like grabbed the knife and then when he got <gasps> kicked there was a great like match cut of Lyra getting like getting hit in the same way which is like again just a part of the books that I'm glad to see more of that the demons are like you know they hitting them influences their human and vice versa mm-hmm. yeah. and to contrast with that that moment where. Pan is walking really close to Will and like sniffing him. And, you know, there's like really tender moment of him wanting to help. Mm -hmm. Um, And Lyra is actually surprised by that. Right. Yeah. Great scene. She's like Daphne Keene's face where she's just kind of like, what? Like she doesn't understand herself in that moment. Yeah. I think that's that's really cool because like that's what demons are meant to do. Right. Like not just with like the sort of um, like them feeling the same effect as as their humans, um, but also to serve as a way to show a character's internal world without having to speak it aloud. Yeah, in some ways they're better on screen than in a book because in a book you can just write inner monologue Mm -hmm. and it's not as weird. You can't do that on film. Or I mean you can, but it would not be too good. Yeah, so like showing them visually is actually like a pretty big boon for for telling a story on screen. Definitely. Pretty cool, yeah. Also, uh, we've got Mrs. Coulter being mean to to the golden monkey again, kind of like grabbing his fur, forcing him to go through the window first, which seems like a little bit of like a, yeah, you go first if something happens. I mean, it'll hurt her too, but it's just like if something happens, it'll (laughs) happen to you. (laughs) That's so funny. It's like, do you not realize that like you're the same person, right? And he like looks annoyed at her. Mm -hmm. He's like, ah, back at it again. She keeps making me do all this stuff. He gets put through so much. I almost feel sorry for him. Do, no, don't feel sorry for the I monkey. The monkey do. is so evil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, and we also get the first sighting of of our uh, our flea bag reunion, which means nothing to me, having not seen flea bag. This is where everyone can send me emails, being like, "Ah, you need to watch flea bag." But yeah, it means uh, nothing to me either. So. Cyan Kotor, which is not Knights of the Old Republic. That is Grumman's demon played by Phoebe. What's her Phoebe Waller bridge. I got that right. Or is it Waller's bridge? You Green tell names. me. <laughs> uh, anyway, she's the she plays uh, his demon and they're both in Fleabag. I don't know. We only got like two lines from her, so I don't know what to think of her yet, but I know everybody loves her. Yeah, people seemed excited in our watch group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll see more of her. Yeah, I hope they don't like skimp on her. Like if you're going to cast her and have it be this kind of flea bag reunion thing, mm-hmm. maybe have the two of them talking to each other. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think it's especially interesting because like John Perry is from Will's world or our world. That's right. Right. And he didn't and have a demon it, for most of his life. It's not explained in this episode, right. like how that happened. Like how did he end up with a demon? Mm-hmm. And, you know, something I think to think about is we're we're getting these little drips of info about how demons work on the like on the margins, right? Not just like the sort of standard way that demons work, the way like Lyra and Pan work, but the way that witch demons work, like how they separate, right? Mm -hmm. And now we've got a character who started his life without a demon, but has one now. Yeah. And can separate from her, seems like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's true. Right. Because she because Lee asks, like, are you a witch's demon? Uh Uh-huh. Meets Sion Kotor. Yeah. 
yeah, so I think that's that's most of the demon stuff. And now we can move on to probably my favorite moment in the episode. One of my favorite moments of the show so far when Mary love Mary, any scene with Mary, I'm a fan of when she talks to the cave and we get the reveal that angels are not just statues on the Tower of the Angels. But whatever they are, they're they're real or they claim to be at least. Mm -hmm. There's something called angels that is talking to her through the cave and they are made of dust. I mean, this is all what she's being told. So I think vengeance. Yeah, vengeance. Not a line in the book. No. And if, actually, I was really surprised because. Uh, yeah. When I was watching that scene, what is the question that she asked the cave? Like, she asked, why well, did you intervene in human life or something like that? She said, so you've intervened in in human evolution. Right. And I think they say yes. And then she says, but why? I thought she was going to say or I thought the, the cave was going to say love. I don't know why. <laughs> I was not expecting vengeance. Well, the thing is, it, it is actually like, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense in the context of the book. Uh, it's not it's not it's not the line that exists there, but it's a great choice. Like, I think it does. I, I see how it will tie in. Right. Um, and it really like it ties into what's going on with the witches. Right. Mm -hmm. The witches are are getting their own vengeance in a great action scene where they fight the magisterium and then fly through the window. That was so cool. And I think it's it is a great swerve. Right. I think like you were saying, like the line you'd sort of expect is for them to say love or something. Right. Because right. they're sort of being portrayed as being like like whatever. We don't know much about them at this point in the story, but they're sort of being portrayed as like good guys yeah. of some sort. When you think right? of angels, you think of benevolent beings. Mm -hmm. And then vengeance is not what you think of, right? Like yeah. this kind of like more negative emotion. Yep. And vengeance, obviously, the question is then vengeance against who? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it really drew me in. Like. Yeah, I could I could especially see putting myself in the shoes of someone who hadn't read the books. Like, you know, if we're drawn in, I think I, I, we, <laughs> we had some friends in our group watch thing who were just like, oh, man, like, what is this? What is going on? Yeah. And sometimes I do like to put myself in the shoes of a show only person. Mm -hmm. I think like my mind would be blown. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, we've seen these kind of hints of angels so far, but this is like whatever they are, they're they're something. There's some kind of angel thing that is out there. And this is like what is so cool about this story is that it expands and it gets gets kind of meta, like metaphysical, right? Like the, the idea that this big reveal is being dropped by a scientist working in a lab talking to a computer is so interesting, right? It's like very yep. conceptual, yeah. right? Sort of uh, blending science with mm -hmm. more, I mean, what people think of as religious, but more spiritual, right? Right, right. Yeah. And oh, you, boy. You see the scope of this season, like just getting bigger mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as compared to season one. There's all of these players on the board. Where are they going to go? Yeah, this is what I was saying in at the end of season one is that they really did kind of decide to go with season one as a dual origin story. And like where we're at now is is so much bigger than just like Lyra on an adventure, Will on an adventure with these like singular goals, right? And now it's like there's some kind of much larger, not even just the war that everybody thought would exist in the first season, like, you know, that anybody who is new to the story would expect like, mm -hmm. oh, uh, witches versus magisterium or something, right? Like it's it's this much bigger thing. Yeah, so cool. Very cool. So I think that's a good place to wrap it up here. If you are enjoying Shadow Particles and would like to listen to back episodes, shadowparticles.club is the URL for all of the old episodes. 
You can send me an email at shadowparticlespodcast at gmail.com and I will read them on the show. And subscribe to the show if you're not already doing so on iTunes or Spotify, where you can, at least on iTunes, you can leave a review. I don't think you can do that on Spotify, but if you can, leave us a review there as well. Where can people find you online if they want more Tiffany? I'm on Twitter, unfortunately, (laughs) at Tiffy Sniffs. Uh, For better or worse, I don't have any public facing projects to plug. But if you want to hang, get at me. Check out her cake. It's cool. She just posted it. It's coincidentally thematically appropriate. Yeah, I know. I was thinking about that. It's an (laughs) it's an angel themed cake. (laughs) Yeah. Pure coincidence or not. Maybe this is angels intervening in my life. Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. As for me, I'm on Twitter at Vamptvo, V-A-M-P-T-V-O. I post about anime and his dark materials and the latest episodes of both of the podcasts that I host and lots more. Thanks for coming on the show, Tiffany. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. For sure. We'll see all of you listeners back here next week for episode five of season two of His Dark Materials. Bye.